calendar out in the foyer there. Uh, this Wednesday, we start 40 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, and you don't need to fast 40 days, but if you want to, that'd be great. But uh, pray and ask the Lord uh, how often you ought to fast over those 40 days. But please read the scriptures assigned to each day. And uh, there are prayers that are in the scriptures. And then we will all pray that same prayer and that same focus every day uh, with that listed there. And uh, be sure to get signed up for the couples retreat if you're interested in coming. That's next weekend. Uh, we have a lot of things planned. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a very practical time of instruction from the Word of God to help you, whether you're newlyweds or whether you've been married for the last 200 years. Amen. Uh, it'll be a blessing to you. It's hot in here tonight. We put a new air conditioning in on Thursday, and it's doing a wonderful job. <laughs> it's not working for whatever reason. The thermostat says it's on, but I don't feel it. Amen. And so that's what's going on. So don't get mad at the guy in the sound booth, amen. And don't yell at me when you leave. It was hot in there tonight. Uh, it's just the air conditioning is not working. All right. Acts chapter 18 in verse 4. It says, And he reasoned in the synagogue, in synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia... Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. And then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city." And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together tonight, be able to study the word of God. And I thank you, Lord, for uh, what's being experienced here through the Apostle Paul's preaching and teaching about Christ. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful for this man who had a spirit of worship upon him. I pray, Lord, you would help us even in troubled times blessed times, great times, and uh, desperate times, whatever the times may be, that we might maintain a spirit of worship unto our God. And so bless us tonight as we study together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our text verse is verse 7. says, And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And I just took off from that phrase right in the middle of verse 7, one that worshiped God, maintaining a spirit of worship. There's many things that will hinder us and uh, prevent us from uh, worshiping God. Paul is preaching at Corinth, and as he's preaching at Corinth, uh, he is faced with great opposition. It says in verse 6, when they opposed themselves and blasphemed. He shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go 
unto the Gentiles. And so as he's preaching Christ, revealing that Jesus was in fact Christ, uh, the Jews would rise up against him and oppose his preaching. The word opposed there in verse 6 literally means to battle against, to resist. And so they were becoming very aggressive against the Apostle Paul's preaching. And uh, oftentimes we think we have a difficult time preaching or soul winning or revealing who, to others who Christ is, but we have not experienced what the Apostle Paul is experiencing in chapter 18 of Acts. And uh, they opposed themselves. They were literally battling against what uh, Paul was preaching. They battled against it personally because it says here they opposed themselves. And uh, how we can get uh, uh, intermingling actions and anger towards one another when we disagree on what we believe. And so they were opposing the preaching personally, but also publicly because it says in verse 6, it says they opposed themselves and blasphemed. He, that's the Apostle Paul, shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And so they were personally opposing Paul, but publicly Paul uh, opposed their opposition to his preaching. And he basically uh, shook the dust off his feet and said, I'm going to the Gentiles from this point on. And so oftentimes what happens, we get saved, God starts moving, and there's barriers that start to build up in our lives. And we have a difficult time with the opposition to maintain a spirit of worship in our life. Worship is more than just being in church on Sunday. Worship is having a, a, a demeanor or a character trait upon ourselves that acknowledges we are continually exalting and lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, they say that in one to somebody gets saved in the time period of one to five years, uh, there's a spirit of indifference that will develop in their life. Oftentimes, within one to five years of someone getting saved, uh, there is a spirit of defeatedness that comes upon them. And uh, the alarming thing is, is that what happens that causes them to lose the excitement and the zeal and the thrill of worshiping Christ. And if, it's not, if we're not careful and not willing to identify that problem, uh, we won't correct it, and it affects everything we come in contact with. It affects our joy. It affects our, our, our victories in our life. It affects the spirit within the church. And, uh, and because of the fact there has been a damper put on the spirit of worship, and we need to maintain it. I thought, it's been seven, I don't know if you thought about this, it's been seven months since uh, COVID-19 started, first of March, till now it's been seven months. And I thought of how quick COVID-19 has put a damper on personal worship and corporate worship in the body of Christ. And uh, it's, it's, it's an alarming thing because people are consumed with fear. Uh, people are, are overwhelmed with the circumstances and trials and difficulties that are going on in our world that we, it's almost like we've completely shut down from the reality that God's still on the throne and he's still in control of everything. And uh, here is Paul hard-pressed with opposition against preaching who Christ is, 
And yet, now, uh, Paul continued to preach, and it literally says that he was there for a year and six months teaching the Word of God to them and leading people to Christ. So how do we, in times of opposition, in times of difficulties, how do we continue to maintain a spirit of worship personally and corporately as believers in Christ? Over in Romans chapter 11... Uh, J. Vernon McGee said this in about Romans chapter 11 and verse 36. In Romans 11, 26, it says, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And uh, I didn't put it on the screen. It's, it's, you know, I think you understand what, I'm, what the quote is here when I give it to you. But everything about Christ is, is uh, I should say this, everything that we need and experience for victory is found in Christ. And it is when we understand our relationship in Christ, it enables us to maintain a spirit of worship. And so uh, the, the solution to having a dullness of spirit, J. Vernon McGee says this about this verse. First of all, he says, for of him, the phrase of him means God is all-sufficient cause and source of everything. And so no matter what is going on, if we understand that we are living for, uh, of him, that means everything that we need, every resource that we may experience is based upon Jesus Christ. Then he says, for of him and through him. When we think of through him, through him means that God is almighty sustainer and worker. And so he is our source. He is our sufficiency, but it is Christ who works in us, and it's Christ who works through us. And then he says through him and to him. The phrase to him, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, to him means to uh, God must call every creature to account to him. All things flow towards God. And then he says, to whom be glory forever, simply just means that all the glory in all the ages belongs to Christ and to Christ alone. And so when Paul says, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever, Amen. That means if we're going to maintain a spirit of worship and excitement as being a Christian, whether we've been saved two years or 20 years or 50 years, uh, we need to acknowledge that everything, every resource, every experience, every power that we can uh, uh, grab a hold of is completely, totally dependent upon Christ and Christ alone. But the problem is we often take a look at other things and other means to find our source of strength and find our means of blessing. And so I, I, I keep looked at this. Uh, steps that guide us. We need steps that will guide us to maintain the spirit of worship. First of all, we think of the mind. Uh, in Romans chapter 6, in verse 13, says, Neither yield your members... Uh, as uh, instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. 
So intellectually, in our mind, there needs to be some guidelines. And we, in our mind, we think of, we start out with excitement. When you get saved, people are excited. What their comprehension of the scriptures, the reality that God has done something exciting in their life, he has set them free. Intellectually, they're rejoicing, they're excited about that. Then that moves to involvement. Because all of a sudden now we understand that, wait a minute, that I'm a Christian and God has blessed me and he's placed me in his body and he has a plan and a purpose for my life. And so I start getting involved and that leads to business. In other words, you surrender to be involved and now you start living out in some means or form of ministry within the church. And then that leads to stress. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, after you've been saved for a little while or you saved for a long time, uh, you were all excited about worship. You were all excited about going to church. You were thrilled to be involved because of the fact that God has promised to use you and you've seen how God can use you. But now that you're involved and now that you're doing ministry intellectually, you're saying, I'm stressed out with this thing. I got my wife, I got my husband, I got my children, I got my job, I got my home, I've got all these things, and now you want me to be in church, and you want me to be doing this, and you want me to do it. We get stressed out. So what is the answer? The answer, the key is just simply uh, yielding to Christ, and that's why Paul says, don't yield your members of, as instruments of unrighteousness on this end. But rather, you need to yield yourselves as alive from God and your in, and members as instruments of righteousness of God. And so, in order for me to maintain a spirit of worship and praise, I cannot allow myself to fall intellectually to the point of being stressed and I start yielding to other influences. What happens is all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, I don't really need to be in church Sunday night. You know, we, we've really been working hard all week, and so I think I'll just stay home. Stress takes over. Then the next thing you know, you fall by the wayside. Well, yeah, I know, I know Wednesday night's the time for Bible study, but that, that's, I'll, I can read and pray at home. And we don't come out to church. Oh, well, you know, I know so-and-so's there. He can take care of junior church, or they can take care of Sunday school, or they can do the soul winning. We, we always have excuses that are birthed out of stressful situations that causes us to yield to wrong things. And so Paul says, don't yield as instruments of unrighteousness, but rather you need to yield your instrument members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So intellectually, we can think through this process and come to the conclusion, if I'm going to continue with a spirit of worship and praise to God, it's going to depend on who am I yielding to or what am I yielding to. Then I thought about the flesh. The flesh. Uh, the flesh is always tempting us and always challenging us and always trying to derail us in our uh, commitment and our service of God. And certainly Joshua, all the way back in Joshua 24, you don't have to turn over, I'll read it real quick in verse 15. Joshua commanded the children of Israel, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. 
But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so the flesh was taking over because of the fact that they were, as Elijah would challenge them, how long halt you between two opinions? If Baal be God, then worship him. If God be God, then worship him. You can't have it both ways. And what was happening, their flesh was taking over and influencing them. And this is the outcome. The flesh gets irritated. And if you cannot intellectually reason through that God has called you to worship and praise him, somewhere in the process, your flesh is going to take over. And when your flesh takes over, it'll be a spirit of irritation that will cause you to develop a feeling of guilt. That's when people always have gotten mad at me over the years. Oh, you just put, try to put people on guilt trips. I feel like saying, no, you're just irritated. And because the reality is I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip. I'm just preaching what the Word of God has to say. And you'll have to let the Spirit of God convict your soul, and you'll have to take it up with God, not with me. And so the flesh brings irritation that causes guilt that develops resentment. Then the next thing you know, people that you always loved, the people that you always enjoyed being around, you can't stand anymore. I just don't want to go to church. I mean, just people just don't like me. Uh, And so we have this fleshly irritation that's got us on this downward slope. And and once you're resentful, then you become lonely. Because what you do is you isolate from other believers and then you develop this idea and this mindset, well, I'm all alone. Nobody cares about me. When in reality, you just got mad at somebody because they called you and told you they were praying for you and they want to be a help to you in any way they can. And so it goes from irritation to guilty to resentful to lonely to anger. And then when it becomes anger, then the person becomes very aggressive in uh, 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 responding to anyone who is trying to be an encouragement to them. That's why James 1 and 15 says, then when lust, where does lust come from? It's in the flesh. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. There is no positive outcome If you're allowing yourself to be guided by the flesh, it will always end in death. And it will rob you of the joy of worshiping and praising God. So we have guidelines, not only of the mind and of the flesh, but we have guidelines in reference to the spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul says, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so the Spirit gives us liberty, the Spirit gives us freedom, and where the Spirit of God is, there's repentance. And so intellectually, you may be going down this direction that you have to make a decision who you're going to yield to, and depending on who you yield to will determine how strongly the flesh will take over. And when the flesh brings you to a point of anger that causes you to die as a Christian because you no longer want to worship God or be around those who are excited in worshiping God, then the Spirit of God must come on us and bring a spirit of repentance so we start worshiping again. Why? Because repentance always gives us rest. 
I don't know about you. I know when I repented and I got saved, boy, I was just at peace with God. That's what rest is, to know that you have peace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And so it would be able to have rest. And rest develops receptivity. And so all of a sudden now you've repented and you're at peace, you're at rest. You're, it's easy to receive from God what it is that he wants to say to us. Remember when you first got saved? I mean, whatever the Bible said, you were accepting of it. We, you didn't care what it was. I, I have a, one of my Bibles from when I first got saved and when I went to Bible college. And I had started reading in Genesis. And I was like, oh, man, that's a good verse. I got to underline that. So I underlined it. I read the next verse. I was like, oh, man, that's a good verse. I got to underline that. If you look in my Bible, the first chapter, several chapters in Genesis, I mean, almost every verse is underlined. I mean, everything was so good. Why? Because repentance gave me rest to where I could receive what it was God had for me. And receptivity uh, brings on restoration. Now you're restored in your walk with God. You're restored in fellowship with God. You're restored with other believers. And, and because of that, you've experienced life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. And I think when we forget many times that when we talk about worshiping God, it involves the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. And so we, you can, you all, we all have these guidelines, these steps that we go through as a Christian. And I've, I've seen, listen, I've seen over the last seven months people going through either the mind steps, they've fallen into the fleshly steps, and there is a need for a, a spiritual step to be fulfilled to restore life again because there's spiritual deadness and a spiritual unawareness of what it is that God wants to do in our life and if you do not have a fresh move of God in your heart to stir you up you will always lose life because you'll always start responding in the flesh rather than walking in the spirit if we walk in the spirit we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh so, maintaining uh, a spirit of worship. Here is this man, Justice. Uh, he was a man that was known as one that worshiped God. Here it is. Only three points tonight. And, uh, of course, there's ten points under each one of them, but that's all right. <laughs> How do you maintain a spirit of worship? Number one, determination to understand the process determination to understand the process. In other words, you're the one that has to determine where you are in your relationship with Christ, and you're the one that has to determine how do you get from point A to point B? How do you get from a spirit of disconnected, oh, uh, uh, uninterested worship to get to the point of where you're thrilled and excited to be able to worship God, whether it be in your home, whether it be driving down the road, uh, whether it be in the church, whatever, whatever the situation is, how do you regain that spirit of excitement and thrill of worship? Determination to understand the process. First of all, realize this. There is, the process is, here's the process, the conception. 
The conception is just simply this. You're born of the word. Uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's very elementary to us that are here tonight. But there has to be conception. There has to be a place where we are birthed into the family of God by the word of God. Conception leads to infancy. And when a baby is conceived in the womb, that baby will be born and he's just an infant. And uh, that identifies us with this milk of the word of God. And we are as babes, newborn babes, we desire the sincere milk of the word. And if we do not feed ourselves on the milk of the word, uh, we will not have spiritual nutrition to develop an excitement and a thrill to worship God. Little babies don't know what they're doing. All they're doing is laying there. They eat and sleep. That's all they do. They scream, keep you up at night. Uh, they make you do all the work. You got to feed them. You got to clean them. You got to change them. You got to do all that stuff. Amen. And so infancy, they need nourishment in order for them to grow. As a Christian, when we are born again, we need the nourishment of the word of God. And so there needs to be an excitement about worshiping God because when you worship the Lord, you're being fed the word of God. My wife and I have often have said this. We were not discipled when we were new Christians. And all we did was we just started going to every church service. If the church was open and there was something going on at the church, we were there. And I'll tell you, God just matured us and grew us in leaps and bounds just because we're being fed the sincere milk of the word of God. And so infancy. Uh, from infancy, you go into maturity. And maturity is the meat of the word. Um, the meat of the word is where you start developing convictions. And uh, I've seen a lot of convictions thrown out the window. And uh, we, listen, the convictions that we had in the past because of what God's word has described we are to be and how we're to live, if it was important in years gone by, then it's important in 2020. And so we need to develop convictions based on the word of God and knowing that, wait a minute, a sign of maturity is that the older you get in Christ, the stronger your commitment to Christ is going to be. And uh, it's a danger sign. It's a red flag flying when all of a sudden you've been saved for several years and all of a sudden things that used to bother you and convict you in your life don't bother you and convict you anymore. That's a red flag saying, uh, there's something going derailed here. You're slipping from maturity back into infancy. And so you need to make a decision. You need to observe. You need to determine to understand the process. We are not to be conceived in an infant and then become mature in the Lord to go back to infancy again. And uh, Paul would rebuke the believers in saying, when you ought to be teachers, in Hebrews he says this, you need to be taught again the uh, simple principles that are in the word of God. And oftentimes that's what happens, uh, we start losing our maturity. But the process is conception, infancy, and maturity, which leads to service. And service is just simply this, the application of the word. Why? Because James says, be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so as you grow and as you mature in Christ, 
uh, there is a desire that develops to be able to serve the Lord uh, by applying the Word of God in the areas of what spiritual gifts you have, what opportunities you have, how you can live your life in ministering the Word of God to others. And so it, it is a natural process. If there's a breakdown, listen, if there is a breakdown in any of those four experiences where we do not lead, move to the next one, we don't go through the process of growing and maturing to the point of service, it will hinder your ability to worship God. And here's why. Because when service and application of the word of God is depleted in a Christian's life, stagnation sets in. And all of a sudden, it's just kind of living by status quo. It's just getting from Sunday to Sunday. It may be just getting from month to month. Uh, stagnation is just simply this, a departure from the word of God. And uh, when, you, when you become stagnant, you become indifferent to the things of God, uh, all of a sudden you start departing from them. In Hebrews chapter 6, and if I can get over there real quick, I'll read that for you. Hebrews chapter 6, in uh, verse 4 through 6, says, For he spake in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place, again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. And uh, we want to go down to uh, yeah, verse 6. And so this matter of being stagnant, wait a minute, that's not the verse. I'm saying this is not it. Chapter 6 is the one I want. Amen. I was looking at chapter 4 and verse 6 rather than chapter 6 and verse 4. Amen. A little dyslexic here tonight. Uh, yeah, there's the verse. Amen. And uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4, For if it is possible for those which were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, and here it is, if they shall fall away, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. What's Paul saying? If you are not growing, maturing, serving the Lord, worshiping God, you'll become stagnant because you'll start, start to depart from the scriptures. And I'll tell you, what a challenge. It, it, I'd rather try to lead a lost person to Christ and try to get someone who is stagnant in their Christian life and have departed from reading and studying and allowing the Word of God to work in their life. Try to restore someone like that. It is more difficult than even leading someone who's completely lost to Christ. Why? Because stagnation leads to disability. And once you're stagnant long enough, you are no longer spiritually viable to be able to have your life be an example of the power of God and, and the working of God in your life. And so disability is negligence of the word. 
Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. And people forget that. To drift away from the word of God is to cause yourself to be carnally minded. You start thinking like the world thinks. And all it does is bring death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so we need to, if we're going to maintain a spirit of worship and praise to God, we need to understand the process. We need to determine that we're going to grasp the process of the Christian life. There's conception, there's infancy, maturity, there's service, there's stagnation, and that leads to disability. And, and I, I, I'm a, it, I'm a, I am really afraid that because of this COVID-19, there are many believers that are disabled, spiritually disabled. Uh, you see it on the internet, you see the testimonies in their life, you try to connect with people or whatever, and their total disconnection. And because they have forgotten the process of what God did in their life to their point before COVID-19. And, and I'm telling you, there's a bunch of people that are hurting and the people, a lot of people that are off to the wayside. And it's because we have to get back to acknowledging we should be people of worship and praise. No matter what's going on, we need to be people of worship and praise. And so determination of to understand the process. Point two, it's not as long as point one. We need a description of the ministry. If we're going to be able to mature and be involved in service, then we need to understand what ministry is. Now, first of all, we need to clearly identify ministry opportunities. The interesting thing is, and you look up these verses later, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul was always mentioning the opportunities that God, the doors that God would open, the opportunities that God would afford him to be able to do ministry, to be able to preach the word of God, be able to disciple others in Christ. And so when we talk about having a, maintaining a spirit of worship, clearly define the ministry. Clearly define the opportunities that God has given you to live your Christian life. If you don't identify them, it's easy for you to fall into a point of stagnation and into a point of disability because you think that God's not using you when God wants to use you. He just wants you to see what it is he wants to do in your life. But we're not willing to look. Not only clearly identify ministry opportunities, but clearly identify accountability that is profitable. We know that we have to give an account unto God. We don't, listen, we don't live unto ourselves. We live a life that's a testimony to others. Uh, we are stewards of what God's grace has given to us. It's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. So clearly identify what you're accountable for. You're a parent. You're accountable for your children's spiritual existence. It's not the church's accountable or responsible. We're here to supplement the parent to make sure they're raising their children to know who Christ is. And so uh, identify your accountability that is profitable. 
God's given you a ministry, then make sure that you fulfill that ministry without somebody having to follow you around and pursue you constantly to make sure you're doing the ministry. And so clearly identify accountability. We are accountable to God. That's the ultimate accountability. And so if God has directed us, I was listening to a preacher preaching the other day, and he was testifying of the fact that he's been preaching for 41 years, and he said this. He said, you know, just the ama- it's amazing thought. It's just amazing thought to me that God called me to preach. That's the responsibility God's given me, to preach. How can I do anything else but preach? What is he doing when he says that? He's clearly identifying who he is accountable to. Because once you understand who you're accountable to, now you can live your Christian life in a profitable way. And you can have a spirit of worship and praise to God. But then also clearly identify annual involvement. In other words, in Acts chapter 6, we know that's where they appointed the first deacons in the church. The response of the apostles to the church was you need to appoint seven men to be the deacons in the church. And they said this, so that we will give ourselves continually to the word and to prayer. And so they identified their annual involvement. They understood their role that would benefit the church was God had directed them to spend time constantly in the Word of God and in prayers and in preaching the Word of God. So describe what it is that God is doing in your life and how He is using you and what opportunities is He open up for you to be able to serve Him. Maintaining a spirit of worship, determination and to understand the process, description of the ministry, and the last thing is this, a designation of a strategy. You got to lay out a strategy. Uh, back in First John chapter two, in uh, thinking of this, seek to a new anointing of God. In First John chapter two and verse twenty-seven. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Why? Because we're living in the light of the anointing of God. I think every one of us need a refreshing from God. Revival is nothing more than the refreshing of God. It's a renewing of the anointing of God. In, in reference to what? Here's, here's a list of things. If God is renewing his anointing upon you, he'll give you a clear a vision that is clear. Uh, don't allow the world to cloud your vision of who God is and what God can do in your life. We need a vision that is clear. We need a passion that is hot. And uh, we need, listen, you need hot preaching. Uh, you need hot studying. You need hot witnessing. Uh, you need a, a hot testimony. Uh, we need a passion that is hot. We need to be hot for the Lord. I mean, if somebody comes by us and touches us, they got to go, oh, man, the Spirit of God burned me, man. I'll tell you what, you're so on fire for God. Uh, we need a passion that is hot. 
We need gifts that are developed. In other words, no matter what the Spirit of God leads you to do, it's a spiritual gift that He has given you, it still needs to be developed. And I would, I would hope that I've been able to develop a style or technique or ability of preaching after 35 years of preaching that's better than what it was when I started. And it has come a long way because you should have seen me when I first, the first time I preached, I had a gum in my mouth, my wife will tell you. She was cringing. I'm laying all in the pulpit and everything else. And oh my goodness, I look like a cow chewing her cud. And uh, I'm thankful that the Lord can develop the gifts that he gives us. Don't be afraid to be challenged to be taught so you can develop the gifts that God gives you. A character that's surrendered. Everything that you are needs to be surrendered to Christ. You need to have a character. I often say character is what you do when no one else is around. So what character is God developing in your life? You need pride that's subdued. This is not about you. It's about Christ. It's not about you. It's about ministry. It's not about you. It's about others. You, they say you, you spell joy, Jesus, others, and you. Uh, you're at the bottom of the list, so pride has to be subdued. Fear is eliminated. Uh, that's why I'm preaching this on the fact of maintaining a spirit of worship because we have allowed fear to regulate who we are and what we do. We have allowed fear to manipulate our thinking, and it has hindered our ability to be free and ex expressive and joyful and thrilled in, in worshiping our God. So fear eliminated. A pace that is sustainable. In other words, uh, you can't do as you get older what you did when you were younger. I'm learning that. And uh, so I'm having to learn how to pace myself in a sustainable way. What good will it do for you to take on everything and every opportunity and burn yourself out for Christ? I've seen men do that. I've seen men so overwhelmed with the responsibilities that they literally put themselves in the grave. Uh, and, I, and I'm not for laying around doing nothing. I'm for doing more than what you can handle. But I just know this, that there, you need a strategy how you maintain a spirit of worship if you're burnt out, I'll guarantee you, you will not have a spirit of worship of God. So a strategy, a pace that's sustainable. And then love that is increased. That love that is increased is a love that increases for God and a love that increases for the people of God. There is absolutely no way that I can come into the church and be excited and ready to worship God if my love for Christ has not increased. If my love for God decreases, my level of joy and excitement and worship is going to decrease to it. I'll guarantee you this. Your love for God and your love for people will be the accelerator of your life spiritually, whether you're going to be going fast for God or whether you're going to be slow. Whether you're going to be charged up for God or whether you're going to be discharging. And we need to have a love that is increasing. You say, how does that happen? The strategy is this. I need, I need to seek a new anointing of God. I mean, listen, every Sunday, every Sunday before I preach, I'm in my office, I pray every morning. On Sunday mornings, I pray, God, send your Holy Spirit upon me. God, give me a freshness of the Spirit of God so that I can stand up in the pulpit and preach. The reality is there's times I don't feel like standing up here. There's times when I'm tired. 
There's times when I may feel, there's times when I'm hurting emotionally because of what took place through the week. But I still have to get up and preach on Sundays. How do you do that? You need a fresh anointing of God. And how are you going to worship God in the church because you're dealing with family issues and everything else in your life? How are you going to be able to do that? I'm going to tell you, by a fresh new anointing of God. So seek a new anointing of God, and then seek a new anointing of faith. Why is that? Because if we're not careful, we can produce sin in our life. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 23, it says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so I think I have that verse on there, don't I, Jack? Yeah, there it is. And it's a whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So I need to seek a new anointing of faith. What am I saying? I need God to increase my faith. I need God to do something in my life miraculously so my faith will grow. And I'm going to tell you, it's been amazing to watch God do things that are out of man's control. And it builds my faith because if I try to live my Christian life without faith, I'm developing sin. If I try to do ministry without faith, I'm developing sin. If I try to worship without faith, I'm producing sin. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I need to be pleasing, the pleasing of God. If I have a new anointing of faith, then I'm going to have a pleasing of God. Why? Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. So I want to please the Lord. If I'm going to be able to please the Lord, then my strategy is this, not just a fresh new anointing of God, but I need an anointing of faith that where I know that the way I'm going to live my life is totally dependent upon God because not to live that way is not to get the pleasure of God because without faith it's impossible to please him. And then the last thing is this, I need the promise of God. A new anointing of faith will help me to develop the promises of God. Why? Mark chapter 9 and verse 23 says, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And so it is so important for me to experience a new anointing of faith each week, each day. I need my faith to increase because I certainly don't want to produce sin in my life because of doing something that's not of faith. I certainly don't want to get the displeasure of God upon me because I'm not living by faith. I certainly want to experience the promises of God, which comes through faith, that if I can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Now, when those things take place in your life, I'm going to tell you, it charges you up. It gets you excited about worshiping the Lord. It causes you to, to enter in, as it were, this relationship when you come into the church. is not just, oh, this is another church service. I hope he doesn't have 22 points tonight. No, you come in and say, whoa, I wonder what God has for me tonight. God's been blessing me and speaking to me all week long, and I'm just stirred up. I'm ready to meet with God. I want a fresh anointing. I want a fresh touch from God. And uh, what will happen is you'll be able to maintain a spirit of worship. Justice was a man who worshiped God. And if there's a testimony I'd like to leave in my life, it certainly is, I'm a, would be that I was a man that worshiped God. And uh, certainly let's maintain a spirit of worship unto the Lord.
Well, let's pray together, and uh, let's ask God to help us to have that spirit of worship upon us tonight. Father, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for your grace and your mercy towards us. Thank you for all that you are. And Lord, I certainly have covered a lot of information tonight. I pray that it's been practical and helpful. Uh, Lord, there's always the danger of falling by the wayside. There's always the danger of the cooling off and a disconnection with all that you are. And so send thy Holy Spirit upon us. Send a, a, a renewing anointing from God and God alone. And God, I pray that you'd give us a spirit of worship and praise, whether we be talking to someone individually, whether we're gathering corporately as a body of Christ, whatever it may be, oh God, I pray that you'd give us a spirit of joy and excitement and thrill to know that we're living for and serving uh, the true God of heaven. And so bless us now, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, just a couple of things here before you dismiss. 